Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your host today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today we will wrap up our discussion on the seven mountains of influence. And the title of this episode is Rising Reformers. Our scripture for today is Deuteronomy 28, 13. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today and you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will always be on top and never at the bottom. Oh, that's a good one. All right, so here we go. For the past seven weeks, we've been discussing the seven mountains of influence that rule and reign in our society today. And again, we're going to review those mountains. They are media, family, arts, and entertainment, economy, religion, education, and government. Also, all of this information we have been discussing comes from Johnny Enlow's book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, Unveiling the Elijah Revolution, and also Johnny and his wife Elizabeth Enlow's book, Rise, a Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains. Both of these books, again, we've talked about them for the last six weeks. They have some really great information in, in there that's very relevant to the time that we're living in right now. So we highly recommend them. So now that we have all of this information, what do we do with it? Right? Right. It is knowledge and revelation that is key for us to defeat our enemy, Satan. And that is our assignment. Defeat the enemy and allow the righteous ones that God has been preparing to be placed on the top of these mountains so we may live in peace with joy and unity. You know, Johnny says it's important that we, God's blood-bought people, realize that it has always been his will for us to be at the top of the mountains in a place of preeminence and blessing. We have long known and acknowledged the Ten Commandments, right? These commandments, however, did not express the primary passion of God's heart for his people. His purpose and desire for Israel was the commandment to enter the promised land. They did not embrace this purpose for an entire generation. Instead, they have lived as the tail because of their disobedience to the command to enter Canaan and dispossess the seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And the seven nations that I just mentioned are all of the ites that we've been discussing in the last seven episodes. I'm going to review them real quick. They are the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Israel disobeyed this commandment because life in Egypt had conditioned them to be faithless. They remembered being held in captivity by one nation that controlled every move. And God was asking them to believe that they could take dominion over all seven nations that I just mentioned. And all of these nations were greater and mightier than they were. But they didn't have faith in God's promises that he would give them victory. And God's doing the same for us today. Mm -hmm. He wants us to take dominion over all seven mountains or all of the same ites that I mentioned earlier. Each one of these ites are currently controlling the seven mountains of influence. And these ites are our enemy. We must defeat our enemy. Those are the ones that we've been talking about, you know, from way back in. It's We mentioned it before. New Days, Old Demons, mm -hmm, right? That's Mark, right. Driscoll's, Mark Driscoll's sermon that he's preaching about right now. Right. So God has been waiting for his remnant to rise up and take dominion. He has been waiting for us to wake up so that we can rise up. He wants the body of Christ to be in unity because we will be unstoppable together with God and his army of angels. So we, this generation, are his rising reformers, his remnant, his ecclesia, and we will defeat our enemy, right? Right. Yeah. You know, I'd like to talk about what it looks like to be the head. Right. So Johnny refers to Deuteronomy 28 to talk about what it looks like to be the head. 
And in verses 3 through 8, it says, Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. That's good. That's good scripture. Yes, it is. The Lord describes blessing in every conceivable way. It even extends to the defeat of all enemies who rise up against them. This is clearly and pointedly what life in the promised land is supposed to look like. The enemy will flee before you in seven ways. Though the seven nations are greater and mightier than you, they will run away in seven directions. This promise of blessing is not something to be named and claimed while we're committed only to life in the wilderness. Right. That's the central error of the prosperity message that God wants us to have and be all things in the wilderness. Only in the active conquest of the seven greater nations will he bless us like this. And there's more. In verses 9 through 11, it says, If you obey the commands of your Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land. He swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The great work to be accomplished for people holy to the Lord will be intimacy with Him. Yes. God's great desire is for the peoples of the earth to see how good a God he is to those who serve him. We will be rich in God himself in every conceivable way that prosperity and blessing can be described. But it's in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. Right. This has always been in God's heart for every generation, yet all along he has known that this group of Elijah revolutionaries would not cross over the Jordan for about 2,000 years. Wow. And the promises of Deuteronomy 28 are not for those who are looking to the rapture as their last exit strategy from planet Earth. Right. We can't be focused on, oh, I'm not doing nothing. I'm just going to sit here and wait for Jesus to come back. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not what he asked us to do. Nope. These promises are not for those who have no faith to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. These blessings are not for those who live as citizens of earth with only a secondary allegiance to the king. These blessings are not for those who are risking nothing and exercising no faith. They are not for those who are fighting enemies they can defeat. These blessings are for those who have enlisted to take the seven greater and mightier nations— those willing to take on the seven mountains of media, economy, religion, government, education, celebration, and family. This is for those who can look at Apollyon and his Hittites of fear, at Lucifer and his Girgashites of corruption, at Beelzebub and his Amorites of humanism, at Mammon and his Canaanites of greed, at the religious spirit and his Perizzites of idolatry, at Jezebel and her Hivites of perversion, and at Baal and his Jebusites of rejection. And can say, as Joshua and Caleb did, they are our bread. Right. right. I think so they're, like they're going to eat them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> going to eat them up. And spit them out. Spit them out. Yep. 
In Numbers 14, 6-9, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jabhanath, spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So only two men out of all those who had been in Egypt could see with the Lord's perspective. Only two saw the exceedingly good land. Only two knew that to fear the seven great nations was to be in rebellion. Only Joshua and Caleb saw the impossible enemies as forces whose protection had already departed from them, even 40 years before they were engaged in combat. The rest of Israel saw unapproachable giants, but these men saw the giants as food for getting stronger. Getting rid of the ites was to them like eating bread. Joshua and Caleb were not only verbally disdained for their suggestion that maybe God would actually give the nations to those who ask him, Israel attempted to shut them up forever. They wanted them dead for suggesting that God could give them more than the emergency rations he had given in the wilderness. Wow. I think the most important thing that Johnny's trying to point out to us is that we need to see things from God's perspective, seeing a greater perspective of God who can take out our enemy and not seeing the enemy being greater than our gods of the angel armies. That's right. Good. Amen to that. Right. Yeah. You know, when we look at the life of Joshua and Caleb to see how they could view things so differently, you know, than the entire nation, we only get one significant biblical clue. Matthew 14, 24 says, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. This very same spirit is the same spirit the Lord is now releasing. It's the spirit of Elijah that will come and turn average nobodies into Elijah revolutionaries who fear nothing except falling short in their faith in a big God. You know, when when this different spirit rests upon you, your God grows to be huge, and giants all of a sudden just turn into bread to be eaten, as, you know, David said to Goliath. Right. Jesus will, will return sooner when we fulfill the assignment he has given us. He will continue to let generation after generation die and not return until one generation gets the assignment and performs his will on earth as it is in heaven. I think that that's what we're, we've moved into. That's us. Right. I'm praying that that's us right. and we've got it. So Acts 3.21 says that Jesus is held in heaven until the times of restoration of all things, specifically that which he spoke by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So what have the prophets been speaking since the world began? What did they say? Subdue the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Over rule and over. It, rule and reign, right? Yeah, and have dominion over every living thing right. that moves on the earth. So demonic powers are also living things that move on the earth, right? right? Right. And until the generation rises up to fulfill the original mission of subduing and dominating them, Jesus is held in the heavens, and he will not return until all is accomplished. Right. He's I coming mean, for a perfect bride, right? Right. We're mm-hmm. not perfect. And that's a totally different perspective than we were raised on. Right. You know, it wasn't right. rule and reign on the earth. It was, well, let's all just huddle up here together and yeah. wait till things get really bad, and then God's going to sweep us away. Right. That's the wrong narrative. No. 
And so we've got to have a change in our mindset and think, right. see things from God's perspective. We have to rule and reign and subdue and take dominion. Right. Do right. what he originally told us to do. Right. So you can pray for his return until you're blue in the face, but he's not coming back until someone finishes this assignment. Right. And he's sitting in intercession for us at the right hand of the Father until all his enemies are put under his feet. And once his enemies are crushed, every good thing that God has intended to take place here on the earth will be restored. Only then can we get in that he will come back at any day right. You know, mode of thinking that some, some people are already in, like right, I said. Right. So in this next section, Johnny talks about the seven spirits of God for the seven mountains. And Revelation 1-4 refers to the seven spirits of God. And we see the term again in Revelation 3-1. It shows up again in the next chapter. From the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And finally, it appears one last time in Revelation 5, 6. It says, Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it, ha it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the seven, sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. It is through the lamb who was slain and because of him that seven spirits of God have been sent into the whole earth. These seven spirits have a mission here on earth. They don't remain in heaven. The seven spirits have seven horns and seven eyes, the horns representing the power and the authority, and the eyes representing the prophetic gifting. Right. Seven spirits are the spirit of Elijah, prophesied in, in the book of Malachi, the same power then that rested on Elijah. So power represents horns, and seeing represents eyes, come together in him. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as we receive the mind of Christ for the end times, our eyes are enlightened to understand just how much authority and power He has granted the saints here on earth. Right. And Ephesians 1, 18-21, it says, "...the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you would know the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe." according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Yep. So as the eyes of understanding are enlightened, we begin to inherit the greatness of his power. We receive the spirit of Elijah by receiving the seven spirits of God that testify of a glorious inheritance available to his saints. Then we will see the end result of the seven spirits of God being released on the earth, as in Revelation 5.10. It says, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Right. So this isn't over until we reign on the earth, right? Right. So Genesis starts with have dominion over everything and Revelation ends with, we shall reign on the earth. The lamb that was slain provides the seven spirits of God that bring the seven horns of power over the seven nations greater and mightier than us. He has released the seven horns of power to topple every rebellious spirit that has exalted itself against the creator. Mm. And the seven eyes release the prophetic vision to understand that this is our inheritance on the earth. Right. So the earth will continue to shift and quake with expectation and birth pangs. That's what we're doing going through now. Right. Right. 
And it will cause a series of tsunamis that will totally transform the face of the earth. Tsunamis and earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of destruction. Right. All the destructible structures will come down. Right. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Right. But the sons and daughters of the kingdom will be on the mountaintops and will receive the unshakable kingdom. And then will be the end of all rebellion on earth. Yes. Yes, yes, Whoa. yes. I can't wait. You know, as, as God's rising reformers, we will continue to advance in the new kingdom, the new kingdom era that we're in. God has been working diligently on awakening the hearts and minds of many believers all around the world. And as more awakened and as we continue to seek God and his revelation on what we are to do to take dominion over our promised land or the seven mountains of influence that we've been talking about, you know, he will guide and direct us into that victory, just as he did the Israelites many years ago. We will see many miracles along the way, just like when God parted the Red Sea. We are headed to some really excited, exciting times. We will see and experience things that no one has ever seen or experienced before. And Isaiah 60 verses 1 through 3 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness over the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And Johnny says the mission of reformers is to arise and shine with the light and knowledge of both who God is and how he is in every mountain of culture in in every nation. The discovery of who God is in us and what parts of his image we were uniquely designed were uniquely to design to carry is a search and journey all in itself. And I 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, most mm-hmm. Christians express having a lot of doubt as to exactly what their assignment is. I know I have. Right. Right. So Johnny's Seven Mountain message has helped many people identify the mountain that they are assigned to and what their purpose is on that mountain. And it should resonate within you what God has already been doing in and through you. Yes. And Johnny says you receive revelation and understanding of the seven mountains, how to recognize the lies about God in each area of culture, what truths to replace them with, and ultimately how to partner with God in restoring the fullness of who he is to society. Realistically, you won't be prepared to accomplish any of this until you apply those same dynamics personally. In the same way we have described the battlefield and culture, we are all personally assaulted with lies and must fight for the truth in our own hearts and minds daily, right? We have to capture those, take capture those thoughts That's right. of mm-hmm. the enemy. And there's one big lie that Satan is constantly bombarding everyone with, and that is your life doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. You are just one person in a sea of billions of people. What difference could you possibly make? Right. Right. What difference it, can I make? Right. How many well, times have you heard that? I, I'm not going to make any big changes or big ripples, right? Mm-hmm. But it's important to recognize that this is the basic lie that the devil is feeding every single one of us. To accomplish this task, he has assigned demons to tell us that repeatedly. You have several demons assigned to you, right? Yep. They're mm-hmm. constantly lying to you trying to get you to come into agreement with his lies. Mm-hmm. You know, he strategically uses the broken down state of culture and especially the areas of culture you're passionate about to reinforce the lie in every way possible. Yeah. And Johnny says to be a reformer of culture and not just one who is conformed to society, we must first be personally set free from the lies that take us out. It's very difficult to give away what you don't have yourself. That's right. why intimacy with God is so important. Yep. Right? right. Yeah. So important. So your personal lie to deal with as a reformer called to arise and shine is, my life doesn't really matter. That's what he tells every one of us. You may not be consciously in touch with that feeling, nor even depressed about it. Your brain may be fully aware that your life definitely matters. 
but in the sometimes mundane and sometimes difficult trials, is your soul fully convinced? Right. Right. Because your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Right. People who really aren't sure if they really matter treat themselves, others, and God as if they don't really matter. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Johnny makes some really good points about that. You know, we need to be more aware of how we see things and make sure everything about us as individuals lines up with God and That's His why Word. why it's so important to be in God's Word, reading right. it for yourself, not listening to somebody else preach it right. once a week, you know, yeah. in a church. Mm-hmm. Right. You need to be in it daily, absorbing it, taking right. it in, and knowing it for yourself. Right. And you have to daily choose it sometimes, not not even sometimes. You have to daily choose it because, again, like we just said, the enemy, is he's not stopping. Right. He's constantly right. coming at you with those right. lies. He's a persistent. You don't matter. You're yeah. not good. You're not a good person. You're not going to change the world. So unless you're filling your heart and your mind with truth, then those lies will become truth yeah. to you. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Johnny takes it even deeper. He says, there's another lie behind that lie. And remember, every lie, even the ones about you or others, is in reality a lie about God. Mm -hmm. So if you believe you don't matter, then a central lie will be that God can't possibly make every person matter. Right. He seems to have too many people to care for and too many things to do, right? He's too busy for us. Mm -hmm. And that simply isn't true. Right. God is not too busy for us. He's omnipresent, omniscient. What is that? He's all of those things. Omniscient means all-knowing. Right. And omnipresent means everywhere at all all times. times. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's not too busy for us, and he isn't even a tiny bit anxious with the challenges of all the problems of the universe and the rebellious demons. You do matter, right? right? Mm -hmm. The truth is everyone is wired in God's image, and his image always matters. His image always carries purpose. If we can't be convinced of that for ourselves, then how are we going to convince the world of that truth, right? Right. There is no mistake, handicap, defect, marital status, educational status, or anything else that can keep you from imparting from imparting something of great value to the world. God took the time to wire you in in a unique way, fully knowing every challenge that you would ever be born into, every choice you would make, and every subsequent challenge that you would face. God attached purpose to everything he breathed into. Reformation starts with you. It is impossible. I love this. It is impossible for you not to be important. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. And I want to touch on what you just said a minute ago, Lord, you know, that it is so important to fill your heart and mind with truth, which is God's Word. You know, it's really important for us to study His Word. There's so much truth and knowledge in the Bible, and when you have God's truth settled deep in your heart, you will know how much you matter to Him. You won't wander around in life trying to find out what your true purpose is. And when you know who you are in Christ, when you have God's Word planted in your heart, you will not have to wander aimlessly because God will reveal your purpose to you. Instead of wondering what you're supposed to be doing, you will be laser-focused on what your purpose is, and you will continue seeking God, and you will respond to His invitation for even more revelation. How awesome is that? You know, no matter what you have done in your past, no matter what it is you are dealing with now, God can and will set you free and show you how much you matter to Him. And I want to backtrack just a little bit and talk about our opening scripture, which was uh, Deuteronomy 28.13. It says, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath, if you heed the Ten Commandments of the Lord your God. And I've used that scripture, I use it a lot in my life, you know, because when the enemy comes at me, you got to quote God's word, you know, to, to make him go away. And I will say, you know, devil, you you are underneath my feet. I am the head and I'm not the tail. And I am above you and you are beneath me. And it's encouraging and encourages me every time. You know, and I talked earlier about God's primary purpose and passion for his people, which is for the Israelites to enter the promised land. 
They didn't embrace it. They disobeyed what God asked them to do. His command included entering Canaan and dispossessing the seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And these are all the different ites that we've talked about that are assigned to each mountain, the ones that we've been discussing for the past couple of months. Uh, a couple of examples are Hitt- the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Jebusites, and so on. So God assigned the Israelites a job, and they didn't do it because they lacked faith. Their every move was controlled when they were slaves in Egypt, so they struggled with believing that God would do what he said he was going to do. They, wouldn't, they would have had freedom if they had just obeyed what he was asking them to do. And I want to read scripture from Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Uh, it says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they, will, they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. And here, as verses 16 through 19, it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would, enter, they would not enter his rest? but to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter an end because of unbelief. The Israelites were in rebellion of what God asked them to do. They doubted what God promised them, and they suffered mightily because of it. You know, I really like what Johnny says in his book. He says, The Lord viewed the entire 40-year period as in the rebellion. So God provided manna from heaven. He gave water from the rock. He protected them from their enemies. But it was all in the rebellion. And you know what? He still provides for us even now when we are being disobedient, when we're being rebellious. He still provides. We will one day look back at the 2,000 years since Christ and realize that it was all in the rebellion. It is in having hearts of unbelief that God could use us to dispossess seven nations greater and mightier than us. This was Israel's evil heart, the sin from which every other sin manifested. When we default from our purpose and assignment, We are subject to sins that are begotten from being in rebellion. Israel fell to Baal. Well, that's a mouthful. (laughs) Israel fell to Baal, golden calves, and murmuring and complaining because they were not on their mission. They did not embrace God's commandment to possess the land. So they remained the tail and not the head. They stayed below and not above. We are still fighting the same enemy thousands of years later. Many of us still have doubts and are living in rebellion. The battle we are in is fierce. It is difficult fighting something we can't see in the natural. That is why it's so important for us to have an intimate relationship with God. He is our guide in the spiritual battle. He is our source of wisdom and revelation. He is the one that's going to deliver us from all of this, all of the evil that we're up against. He is our Redeemer, and we must trust and have faith in Him, and He will not fail us. All right, so this is a good place for us to stop. We're going to split this into two episodes, and we will finish up part two next week, so please join us. And we want to close with this scripture from Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. 
Okay, and today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. We appreciate all that you do for us, Caitlin. And we want to reference again Johnny Enlow's book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, and Johnny and his wife Elizabeth Enlow's book, Rise, A Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. We just want to thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. And we would love to hear from you. So please email us at puretruthpodcast3 at gmail.com. All right. And please visit our websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com. Mine is laurapotter.us. And mine is susanoffin.com. And we hope you'll join us next time. And remember, live thirsty. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Until next time. Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.